Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. Today, our guest is Jed Shepard. He's worked on some of the incredible movies of the past couple of years, from Host to Dashcam. He's working on a video game. He just wrote a short visual novel called Flickr in collaboration with Trevor Henderson. What doesn't he do, folks? We're so excited he's here. Jed, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for asking me, Mary Beth and Terry. Appreciate it. Um, I'm a fan of the podcast, fan of you guys. Aww. So, um, yeah, thank you for asking me. And the thing I'm going to be talking about later, won't reveal it just yet, is genuinely one of the, my favorite things to talk about. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad I get to do it in an official capacity instead of bothering people at bus stops. Uh, so- <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about that. Uh, but before we do, let's go back to the very beginning. How did you get introduced to horror? So every time someone asks me this, I need to 
uh, kind of think, do I tell them a completely made up story or do I tell them the truth? Um, but I will tell you the truth. Um, so I barely knew anybody who was into horror uh, growing up, like genuinely nobody. It was just me. I was the weird kid in school who liked horror. Um, I went to a, a Catholic school basically all the way up to the age of 18 i was catholic school taught by priests so there was an aura of horror anyway like spiritual horror <laughs> yeah. and i don't know if i've told people this before but i'm half filipino my mom's from philippines and they are very into monsters and ghosts and the supernatural and oh, yeah. they have the belief that it's real that monsters are real physical things there are ghosts and growing up I was told that I, I could go outside right now, meet a ghost, meet a monster. My mum is genuinely convinced that she's seen a werewolf. How many how many mums can, can can say that? She's, Wait, pause. Yeah. What? Can you share that story really quick? <laughs> yeah. You can't just tell us that. Oh, <laughs> and that'll have me be like... She's seen all types of creatures. So, uh, so for, regarding the werewolf, her story is that when she was a kid, she was walking um, through a forest, that, as you do, or some kind of um, uh, line of trees, and she heard a flute playing. Um, and Filipinos out there will know, like, if you hear a flute in the forest, you need to run because usually it's the precursor to something bad. So she, <laughs> so she heard, so she heard a flute. So she, being a kid, she walked towards it, and then she saw a pair of twins, twin girls, um, circling the, a tree, going round and round and round and round and round a tree, mesmerized by this flute. She said she looked up into the tree, and what was playing the flute? A werewolf. No joke. <laughs> this, this is the, and, and this is the vibe I, I grew up with. That where the so fl- a flute lot of things werewolves. are like starting to make sense about you, <laughs> yes. like as a person. I love it. Wait, was this when she grew up? Was she in the Philippines when she, she saw a, this? Or was yes. The, okay. She was in <laughs> okay. the Philippines. Um, and just and and just just very quickly, she also believes um, um, in this thing called the Snake Man, which is a um, very very quick version. She was in a mall in in Manila in Philippines. And she saw a girl go into a changing room. She was waiting for her turn to, to, to get changed. The girl didn't come out. They looked over the top. The girl was gone. And my mum said to the, to the cashier who worked there, hey, I saw a girl going into the changing room and she's disappeared. Well, what happened? And they said, oh, the snake man's got her. <laughs> what? Like, what? I love it. That's like the immediate reaction there's yeah exactly and like basically apparently there's a man who comes to the mirror in this particular mall and takes girls oh yeah and i asked i asked my mom that mall specifically that is fucking horrifying and and if you google it there is a history of it that mall having a snake guy in it and yeah and i said to my mom what are you talking about why how how can there be like a a, a half snake man and he's and my mum said maybe maybe his mum was a snake. That was that was her um, <laughs> her reasoning behind this snake man existing and coming through the mirrors. So that's what I had to deal with growing up, like someone who was very into supernatural stuff. And still now, I I I had to I had to call up Philippines and to cancel the job of an exorcist that my mum had hired to look after my <laughs> uncle's house. Um, and his exorcist was living in my uncle's house rent free to stop the spirits of, of my dead uncle from I don't know scaring people so i had to i had to call up wow. and say, you are ripping my family off you need to 
stop what you're doing. Uh, but sometimes I think, what if he was actually genuine? What if he was the barrier between, like, movie idea? Yeah, exactly. Idea. I was going to say, your life sounds just like a free flowing movie idea as an inspiration, like nobody's business. It's basically the Conjuring universe, yeah. But yeah, basically, yeah, having that as having that as a kid, um, and and um, thinking monsters were real. I, I, I turn to like horror media, to, to films, to, to comics, to, to books and read everything and watched everything by myself because I had nobody else to share it with. So it was mm-hmm. a real personal thing. And those were the days when if you said you were a horror fan, especially in the UK, you were, you were an outcast basically. Now, now it was a little bit easier, but, but back then it wasn't. So yeah, so I, I was reading horror books and, and watching horror stuff more as training for the for the monsters I was going to face in the world. Because if I'm going to face a werewolf, I need to know about yes. silver bullets. I need to know about silver bullets. I need to know all the little things you, you, you have to do to, to kill people. And also, like, in in the UK, there, there was a spate of, of, like, vampire signs as well in, like, yeah, about 30 years ago. And it, it's, it's, it's not genuine of course but there was right all, all kinds That's what of you stuff think. yeah <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i you know jed i love hearing that because i i mean i grew up in alaska and uh my my dad was into horror movies but like i was that weird kid that was off by himself learning how to kill werewolves and watching movies <laughs> and taking notes like okay well freddie has died because of being his back turned on from being kissed from being buried from like like all this stuff i was like taking copious notes in case i had to come up against one of those villains because I, mm-hmm. I was gonna be ready yeah exactly and with chucky you just close the door that's what i figured <laughs> out early on just close the door just chucky close the door you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I definitely thought I was a werewolf growing up. So, yes, <laughs> I was again weird fucking kid. It's okay. Ginger and I channeled vibes. it now. Yeah, yeah ginger snaps vibes. It was uh, wow. But so, do you remember what your first horror movie was? Yeah, I believe it was um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, oh. and that was because a friend's brother in, in, in my primary school, so I was like six or seven, my friend's brother, older brother, who was about five, six years older than us, he was into horror. My friend, uh, Raphael wasn't, but his older brother was. So when Raphael was telling me about all these films that his, his brother watches that he's scared of, I was like, can you, can you get me? Can you get, can you get me them? Cause I'd not, I'd only heard guess. about horror like films really by like six, seven or like, I'd kind of like snuck uh, out at night and watched watched the TV but I hadn't actually seen one so I remember vividly one morning before the school band rang runs up to me he's open your bag open your bag open your bag open your bag I was like okay (laughs) and I open my bag and he just slips in this VHS and I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna both get oh in trouble. God. We're gonna be expelled. What is going on? So I had, I was like holding onto my bag the entire day during school. I didn't even dare look into it because in, in case I got in trouble. And then as soon as the school bell rang and I was out out of the school grounds, I just peeked, peeked into the bag very, very slowly and just saw Nightmare on Elm Street. But it was it was um like it seemed like a, it was like an X rental, but it was but it was written in um in, in, in handwriting. And yeah, I've re- and I had a, I had a video in, in my room at the time, so I just remember sticking it in, and just the world opened up to me like, mm. oh my god, this film's so good, <laughs> it's so good, and um, it was it was the best introduction to horror, really, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, 
to, to the to the best antagonist that we ever have and ever will have I yes think. <laughs> yes 100 percent. yes that was my introduction to like grown-up horror i grew up on like uh universal monster movies my dad loved those mm-hmm. and that was like the first time that i watched like a real horror movie like something that was like really terrifying to me at that time and i agree it, it really felt like it just opened up my whole world i just yeah oh it's so good I also love the found footage vibes of this, of him throwing a creep, like a videotape into your backpack and you running home and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to, what is this? What is this? And you're like, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I miss that. That was I love the best like, part like, of the, the VHS. the best vibe. was the best oh, part of that I, day. I still collect VHS, so I, I, I have like thousands of, v, of VHS horror things, maybe, maybe inspired by like these first early kind of years of just just finding them like like gems in, in, in the wild. Well, also, I, I, you know, I was thinking because like the, the UK has had like a weird history with horror. You mentioned that a little earlier. And I was also thinking about like, you know, the band films and the mm-hmm. the movies. Was did that ever was was that ever? I don't know when that stopped. Was that ever like a, a factor? Yeah, in? I mean, I was I was way too young to even understand okay. that. But the um, all the the list of banned films that, that Mary Whitehouse, yeah, kind of kind of made. Um, the original list was of 39 films. That just basically became my watch list. Like, as soon as someone <laughs> makes... That was like the letterbox of its, of its time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like the video nasty list. I'm like, oh, cool. These 39 films I desperately need to watch. Thanks, Mary Whitehouse. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I, I, I love watch. I mean, s- some of those films aren't great, to be quite honest, but... Like no, I think every horror fan worth their salt wants to finish that watching the video nasty list and and yeah like it didn't really uh, affect me too much because by the time I was a, a, an adult it was kind of over um, and it was only a, a, like a few years it was actually like really really enforced and oh, my okay. friend Prano's film Censor mm-hmm. um, that came out is 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 the best representation of that on film I've seen. Such a good just, movie. Oh, it's so good. Oh my God. I like, just, I just give all the money to Prano and just let her make what she wants. Like, it's so beautiful, that film. <laughs> yeah. It, yes, please. it made me do a lot of research on, on the, the, the video nasty list. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. I'm so fascinated with this after seeing this movie. <laughs> yeah. But then it kind of continued, I guess the continuation of that in, in the 90s is when horror movies were blamed for every crime possible. Anytime someone was killed, it was because of horror movies. Yep. And, the, and, and the famous case of, of Jamie Bulger in the 90s, the little kid that was killed by like two 10-year-olds, mm-hmm. they for some reason blamed Child's Play 3, which I still to this day I have absolutely no reason, like I don't understand why Child's Play 3 right. of all films was the one banned because it doesn't have anything to do with with kids killing another kid so um that's that kind of um that kind of blew up in i would say the mid to late 90s the kind of blaming all things on horror and i think it still has an effect to this day i think there are some people out there of a certain age who still think associate horror with um crime and 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 bad things yeah. yeah, my family is like, how could you, like my grandparents specifically yeah. are very much in that train of like that thought. They're like, you're so nice. How could you like these terrifying <laughs> things? I'm like, horror doesn't make you a bad person. I know. In fact, like, as we know, I think horror makes you a good person because it's real catharsis. Mm-hmm. It's the equivalent of going to the gym and, and releasing your tension that way. But it's it's the gym of the mind because you're going through a roller coaster of emotions, which, which you, you rarely get in any other genre. Maybe romantic like romantic films is the, is the closest you get to the feeling you get with horror because I think love and fear are very closely related. Yeah. And yeah, horror, horror films, 
is an assault course uh, for your brain because it, yeah. it activates the, the the kind of fight or flight. Um, and I remember Wes Craven used to say that it was like the the boot camp for the psyche, like mm-hmm. totally. So speaking of that, though, Judd, were you scared of these movies growing up? Like, were you a scared kid or were you because you were like, you know, such a it was like monsters and these kind of ghost stories, which a part of your life, were you a little bit more inoculated to the scares? I, I don't think I was, and this isn't just a flex, I don't think I've ever been scared of horror films. It'll take something really extreme for me to to feel fear. And I think I've mentioned this to you before, Mary, but the only thing that will get to me is found footage films because they feel unsafe. They feel like they are, like the people who make it are making snuff movies. The, the, the real good ones done in an effective way who find a real reason for, you, for them not to be carrying the for them to be carrying the camera the whole time those 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 films make you feel like in danger and i always say that because of the authenticity of of found footage what it's trying to do that's the only type of media that can can foster fear for me because if you think it's real then you think it can hurt you you own for me you only get in found footage films i I, i'm not scared by any other subgenre of horror so as an adult knowing that you don't get scared can you remember the last time that a movie did scare you um i would say and this may sound like a a complete lie but it's true i would say the first time i watched host the, the day before it came out on shudder is the first time we all watched it. We watched it as, and there was a number of emotions happening at, at that time, but because they were my friends and they were in perilous situations, mm. that's the closest I'll ever be to watching a bunch of my friends die like in front of my eyes. And so, there, there, I was scared. I was like, "Oh my god! Like, what have we done? <laughs> like, this, this is not. This is gonna. This is not good." <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I just thought, like, this seems like we're just killing our friends. This, this, yeah. What are people going to think? So I think, so I, I think that that, but like something that I didn't make again, it would probably be Blair Witch Project, and I, and, I, and every time I watch that, it still scares me because it's it's all psychological. None of the, there's no blood on screen. Everything happens off screen, and therefore, if you don't get the satisfaction of seeing blood and and death on screen, it lives on in your mind forever because you don't get that moment where you see dead bodies or like blood. And that's what the 2016 Blair Witch kind of made a mistake. They they just showed it all up front on screen, so like it gives you a reason to breathe out. Whereas the original Blair Witch, like you don't, I'm still I still haven't exhaled after watching it. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely not fans of that here. <laughs> yeah. No, no fans of Blair Witch Project here at all. <laughs> but so I'm curious, was Blair Witch the first found footage movie you ever saw? I guess technically, yes. But the one, the, 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 the thing that we're oh, going to oh, talk yeah. about later, that was that was the first found footage cool. media we saw. But I had seen other things that were kind of in the realm of of found footage but not specific found footage and, and I think it was Blair Witch really that really cemented the term found footage as well um, and obviously there are there are films a, a couple of years before Blair Witch that some people say was the first found footage and I don't think I saw Cannibal Holocaust until after I saw Blair Witch that doesn't count either but yeah Blair Witch is the granddaddy for me really and so so you start talking about host so let's jump in to talk about your career and all the cool things you're working on. How did okay. you get involved in the world of filmmaking? How did that all start for you? <laughs> well, I don't know if you know this, but the first thing I ever did was I co-produced Birdemic 2. 
people don't realise this. Did you really? P- yeah, people don't realise this. That I was involved with Birdemic 2. That was the very, very, very first thing I ever did. And <laughs> it's nuts, right? So, so Iconic. An yeah. iconic beginning. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, so... <laughs> I'm used to having the worst ever rated film on IMDb and also the, 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 the top rated film ever on IMDb So at the same time. So the, how I got into it is obviously I, I loved Birdemic in a non-ironic way. Um, I think its legacy was that it was a, a crazy guy who, was, who, was, who kind of made a silly film. He was, he was very inept and he managed to get a film out there and made and get it noticed and get the world talking about his little film. That inspired me. He He's a very problematic guy, but it inspired me because I, I just thought, wow, how did this guy from 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 zero get to have be on the front cover of the New York Times, <laughs> get to be played in, in midnight screenings worldwide, get all this attention for this film? And, and I was like, wow. So I, I, I do what I usually do. I'm like, okay, I'm going to... I want to be involved in this somehow. So I I wrote to to James, the director, and said, Hey, I don't know if you're if you're thinking about making Birdemic 2, but I'd, I'd love to be involved. He didn't answer me. And I think I sent him three emails. And I thought, okay, that's a that that's a bust. But then I then I said, No, I'm gonna contact all of the actors in the film. So I so I, I contacted Alan and Whitney and Alan, and Alan got back to me and said, Okay, I'll I'll forward it on to James. I'm just like, okay, well, I've already spoken to James and so anyway, it it kind of got to the point where they were sick of me for like, emailing them. <laughs> so it got there was this guy um, I'm not going to say his name because he's a because he's a nasty piece of work. But there was a guy who had just come out of the softcore porn industry who wanted to put some money into a film, and that they so they set up this thing with this guy, and I was like, this is a kind of a nightmare scenario. But this is my first foray in, in, into film. I'll, I'll I'll see where this leads. And he said, okay, what can you, what can you do for Birdemic Two if we were to bring you on? And I said, and I was talking out my ass. I said, <laughs> I will get you in every big cinema in Europe. I'll put you into all these film festivals. I'll do this. I'll fly you out the cast over to London. We'll have this big premiere. And I, because I was just thinking, okay, they're going to call me. They're going to call my bluff any second now. And he was like, okay, cool. And what do you want for that? And I was like, I don't know. Make me a producer. So like, okay. And I was like, oh shit. And there I was signing the contract thinking, oh no, now I've got to do this. This is, this is cool, but also a, a crazy scenario. So I was just like, I have, I have, I haven't got the first clue of how to do this. So I just started calling, literally calling, going to the website of the cinema, calling the cinema. Hey, can I speak to someone who like books the, the films? Can I? And I just did that for a million cinemas across Europe and the UK. Holy shit! And I, and I got it into nearly all of them. Like I, like I used to work in sales. That, that, so I just, I just managed to convince. Ah, them. yes. Yeah. So I managed to convince them to get it into into to all the cinemas, all these film festivals, and I got this film festival in the UK to fly the cast over <laughs> to have a big premiere in London, and. I was like, "Wow, okay, I could do this." I mean, the film is the film is beyond terrible. Don't get me wrong; I, I, I'm fully aware that Birdemic Two, with its ten minute dance scene, its CGI ambulance for no reason, and it is and like a clip art jellyfish, is terrible. Is terrible, but 
that experience. Oh, I can I could go on about Bird Dynasty one day or, but that experience um, kind of ignited a fire in me. Like, oh, okay, I can I can do something in this area. And then very shortly after that, I met Rob Savage, who is the director of Host, mm-hmm. and we just started vibing about um, horror movies. He's always wanted to make um, horror films, and up till then he'd made a, a comedy short, a thirty second comedy short at that point. Oh, I think he no, he did a two-minute sci-fi short as well for a competition as well. And yeah, and I just said, look, the very first meeting with him, I, I just said, I've got this idea for a film called Dawn of the Deaf. Um, and <laughs> it's about deaf people and um, because they're not represented on screen ever. And I want to make a horror film about that plus zombies. And he was into it. Uh, and obviously the, the title is a pun, <laughs> Dawn of the Deaf, but mm-hmm. I thought it was quite funny. And But it was very ambitious. So the first thing we made was a short film called Absence, which blew, blew up really quickly. It got into London Film Festival, Fright Fest, all, all the other ones, with this film that we, we made for £300. Wow. 300 and yeah and so we were okay we can let's do this again we did it again with dawn of the deaf and that got into sundance and yeah the last short film we made together was called salt which um just blew us up really um and gave us loads of meat in hollywood that basically it was really salt that got us host and yeah that, wow. that's kind of the start of it and that was only a couple of years ago, so it's not. It's not yeah, it's not, and like looking at, at your, your schedule this year, Jed, it's it's uh, kind of bonkers. So you had you had host, now you have dash cam, and you have the mm-hmm. upcoming ghost, which is a video game, mm-hmm. and you wrote and directed a segment of Scare Package Two. Yeah, that's coming out this year, and you also have this uh, this comic book that you did with a former guest of the show, Trevor Henderson, yep. and that's out now, correct? Yes, it is out. It's now, good. Yeah. It's good. Oh, Can thanks. you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, so me and me and Trevor um, and and Mary Beth already knows this, but we've we've worked together on a few things now. Um, on the, he he did the creature in in Ghosts, my video game, and we're, there's a few other things that we're. we're we are working on as well where we're it's t- together um he's just the best person to go to for, for monsters basically and yes he is and like he has a bit of a shorthand between us like he will know all my references i can say i want him to look a bit like the creature a little bit like pumpkin head uh, a little bit like this a little bit like this and he will know straight away like i don't have to dumb myself down for trevor like in fact i have to pull myself up to reach his monster knowledge <laughs> so he uh i had the story that i wrote um during lockdown and uh, this company wanted to put it out, and they were going to hire an illustrator to to, to pair up with me. And I said, I, I want to use Trevor Henderson, and they said, cool. And yeah, it's it's done really well. It's wow. um it's done really really well, and uh, it's made me want to do more. And also, I like there's already light interest from various different places about making a a film version of it Hell already. Yeah. And and to be honest, that is my plan for anything i do is to eventually for it to be a film so um i'm glad it's happening quite quick so what's it what's it about so flicker is about a horror journalist who um is writing an article about the anniversary of a film like like the 30th anniversary and it's about what happened yeah it's about what happened during the filming of this horror film the rumors of deaths um on set and also in the aftermath why the lead actress never worked again Mm. so this journalist is interviewing this lead actress in her mansion 
um, in Hollywood, and they do the ritual from the film. And okay. They bring forth the protagonist of the horror film called the Flicker Man. Oh. And um, there's various different things you have to do when the Flicker Man appears, or he'll get you. So um, yeah, it's about that. It's it's very cinematic. It, you can you can already see it as as a movie. And I hope, yeah. I mean, people people seem to love it. People keep keep saying nice things about it. Um, it's ultra short, but then like so is host and and dashcam. And I like things to to not outstay its welcome. So yeah, and it's given me the bug really to to write something a bit longer. Oh yeah, cool. And so like a lot of your movies have a lot of them like host and dashcam have been found footage. Do you want to keep making found footage, or do you want to branch out a little bit more into like you know more traditional and scare quotes horror? Yeah, I want to um, because I'm d- directing myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to do all kinds of things. The, the thing for scare package was a, a, a traditionally shot isn't found footage, cool. and I have a few other projects lined up that isn't found footage as well that, that I'm cool. involved with. Um, I had a actually i think it was when did i speak to you last mary beth was it friday friday yeah on that day very soon after um, i spoke to you i got notification of something that was greenlit that um i'm writing and directing which is pretty incredible hell yeah and it's it's not found footage unfortunately but it is pretty big so you'll definitely see from me (laughs) mary beth is like trying to get into the camera (laughs) right now <laughs> you, you'll see some. I probably, I'll probably film it later on this year. Well, I know I have to film it on later on this year. Is that, it? That's the rules. Is it? Is it rhyme with Larish? Okay. No, but no, but I'm like, trying to get an exclusive on the podcast. I don't even care about anyone else knowing. I just want to know. I'll fuck everyone else, man. Just for me. Well, like I, I've told you earlier, like I, I've had a, I've had a meeting about Blair, Blair Witch Project already, and um, I have another one coming up. So we'll 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 see. I, I'd obviously love to do it, but it doesn't matter what they say. I am going to do it as a found footage if I get the chance and that's how it should be and like honestly if a Blair Witch project comes out and I'm not involved with it and it's not found footage it was it's a mistake like I don't I don't don't mind me not doing it but I want it to be found footage whoever does it needs to be found footage but but I was just in Burkittsville two months ago hanging out with the locals yeah going through the woods like where 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 the three were I was speaking to, I was hanging out with some of the cast, the Blair Witch. I speak to Ed Sanchez all the time. Like I'm, I'm fully immersed in the world of, 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 of the Blair Witch <laughs> project. Yeah, you're gonna go missing soon in the world. I know. But I'll, I've, I've got right here. Hold on, let me. Okay. Hey, this is. I have a piece of of the house from the Blair Witch project right oh, here. Dang. You can see it. Oh, dang. So, so this is from the house at the end of the Blair Witch Project. All right, well, I'm going to have to go steal one. I'm so close to Burkittsville. I need to go oh, do that. Oh, wow. I used to come and hang out. It's so cool down there. I think the timing. Yeah, I live like 45 minutes away. It's like 45 minutes north of me in okay. Maryland. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. But also, actually, like a million times, everyone knows this in the podcast, but I will never <laughs> stop talking about it because it's the coolest <laughs> thing about me. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so it's, nice down there. I love it. So I, ha- I know you probably can't talk a whole lot about it, but as a, someone that grew up playing FMV games, like some of the OG, Night Trap, Corpse Killer, there was uh, a Cowboy one, I remember. Yep. Like <laughs> a whole bunch of those. Tiger Shark was a little bit of FMV <laughs> in there. Like, what was the one where the guy was like the British detective went like, does it, this, this mean anything to you? Like, do you 
you remember this FMV? This is the only one I'm familiar with because I watched someone play it. And it's like an old Brit. It's like a British detective, and a lot of what he asks is like, "Does this symbol mean anything to you?" And it's incredible. But I'm not I sound like a crazy person. Would. I sound like a crazy person. Never mind. I'm gonna have to go look after this. It sounds a little I'm... bit like Seventh Guest, maybe, but. Um, Hold on. Let me. I'll. I will. Let me, I'll check with my my fiance. Yeah. Will know. So I'll okay. check with him. But as someone who grew up talk. with those with those games, and then seeing sort of like a renaissance of sorts in the last few years of like a bunch of indie games kind of releasing some FMV, I have yeah. to ask. Ghosts. Yeah. I got to ask. How did you make this film? And because I, I I just got to know, <laughs> or this game. How did I make the game? Yeah. Um, well, it was during Halloween 2020 when we were um, in a bunch of cinemas in the UK uh, with host, and uh, we were doing a lot of Q and A's, and we were. Um, I was just hanging out. It was the first time after quarantine that I kind of really got to hang out, hang out with my friends with with the cast of, of host, and um, I just I was just like I want to work with these ladies more because it works so well and and that combination of these five ladies is so good and people loved it so much I'm just like people will want to see more surely but um and and like none of us want to make a, a sequel to to host don't want to do that um so we need to take it in a different direction so um I had been playing all those full motion video games that you you just mentioned um. It was contradict. It was cr- contradiction, by the contradiction. way. Contradiction. Okay, oh. cool. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that he, one. Actually. He heard me from the <laughs> other room and immediately texted me. He's like, Brilliant. "It's contradiction." I was like, "Thank you." That's the kind of feeling yeah. you want. He knows full motion video mm-hmm. games. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I, I was playing. So limited run games had kind of just released yep. Night Trap, a collector's edition of Night Trap, and I'd been playing that through lockdown. I mean, the game isn't amazing. Really, <laughs> it's not. But let me tell you, sixteen-year-old Terry needed to have it because oh, yeah. it was. Banned. Exactly. <laughs> this is dirty. You heard a you heard a rumor. Oh, she, that this this girl will take her clothes off. This girl will take mm-hmm. her clothes off. She, she, no, no one's taking their clothes. No. no one's taking their clothes off. And, and, but that was a, a good thing to sell the game. So I've been playing that, and I was like, this game would be great if they just had the girls from host in it. Well, what would happen if it was this house? But and things were inside the house that were spooky. Things were outside that were weird. But. It was the ladies from host that cast interacting with each other. What would that look like? And so that I've put playing in my mind. And then this uh, these game developers just hit me up and said, "Hey, we've just made a bunch of horror games. We loved host. Do you, it, 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 do you have any ideas for a horror game?" And I was like, "Let's jump on Zoom right now, and I will tell you my <laughs> idea that I come up with yesterday." You're <laughs> like, "I have six ideas yes, already." And exactly. I'm- have them ready to go. That, I love that, it. That was me, and it was just—it was just pure like coincidence that someone hit me up, and then so I said, "Look, this is the game I'm going to do. Think, think of it like Night Trap, but I want it to be more expansive, like more stuff to do. Feel like a feel like a James One movie. Just look look beautiful. Have so much more kind of usability, and I want it to be almost like an open world type of thing. Like you, oh like, wow." You can say, for example, you were playing Night Trap, but you didn't have to look at these cameras. You didn't have to look. You could just go do your own thing as well. That That's what I wanted to do. But also, I was very inspired by the film that we're going to talk about in a bit. So the you will see that the, that, like, the structure of this film that we're about to talk about is very much like Ghosts. Oh. Very, oh. very, very much like Ghosts. Oh, I'm so excited. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so like, 
let's just talk about the movie you brought because we keep okay. talking about it. So <laughs> I think we should talk about it. So Jed, what movie did you bring with you today for us to discuss? Today I have brought the film Ghostwatch. Is it a documentary? <laughs> okay, so for everyone who's unfamiliar, I'll read a brief synopsis. I am we get these from IMDB. They gave us a very dramatic plot summary, so get ready, everybody. <laughs> the BBC gives over a whole evening to an investigation into the supernatural. Four respected presenters and a camera crew attempt to discover the truth behind the most haunted house in Britain, expecting a lighthearted scare or two, and probably uncovering a hoax. They think they're in control of the situation. They think they are safe. The viewers settle down and decide to watch for a laugh. 90 minutes later, the BBC and the country was changed and the consequences are still felt today. It's so traumatic. I love, I love it. that. It's so traumatic. It's great. But okay, before we, I do, we do hear your story, I just got to ask, because it, this was my first time watching this movie, mm-hmm. and I kept hearing the woman of the house talking about glory holes. And the first time I was like, excuse me? <laughs> What? We've all got glory holes in the UK. <laughs> Did I hear it? Did I hear this correctly? And then it, it kept coming up like two or three times more. And I'm like, why are we talking about glory holes? So I got to ask, was, is glory hole, like, do, do, the, do, do people in Britain not know what glory hole it means in the, in the United States? Or is that like... Uh, I would say that outside of Ghostwatch, I have never heard the okay. cupboard under the stairs being called anything... <laughs> Similar to glory holes, that that is a pure invention <laughs> of Stephen Volk. No, I'm sure there are some people who, who call it glory holes, but like I, I never have, and I don't know anyone who has. I'm going to ask Stephen about this actually, because I was wondering. I was like, is is this is this like a cheeky way of getting like some you know adult humor in this, or what what is going on with this? Because I was like, I literally had to Google after the movies over. It's like glory holes UK, and like what there am I going to get? Like, Same search on. Oh my god. No. <laughs> Oh, Terry, no. <laughs> Mistake. But uh, glory holes aside, <laughs> um, Jed, tell us. This is like your favorite movie of all time. Scarred you for life. Tell us your Scarred for Life story about this movie. Sure. So I was, um, this came out in October 1992. I was, a, I was a very young kid, but everyone in school, in my primary school, said you need like you need to watch this thing that's on tonight it's going to be really really scary and and this was around about the same time when i was first discovering nightmare on elm street so i was like oh okay there's something on tv tonight on halloween night and i was too young to kind of go out to like halloween parties and stuff like that so i was like wow okay I'm, i'm gonna watch this and like my best friend at the time um he said okay like don't forget it's like it's on at like 9 p.m Okay, you gotta watch it, and so I remember. Oh, I love those days when we'd all get oh. so excited to yeah. watch. Like you couldn't record, like you could maybe record it, but you couldn't. Like, oh, the best. We yeah. all watched together. So yeah, so I I basically got got my duvet. Um, I don't know where my parents was, but I went into like the 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 lounge, got my duvet on the sofa, t- turned it on BBC One, and there I met with some. And this is why it's so effective. We met with the presenters that are real-life presenters using their real names um, to give it a sense of authenticity. And and you guys don't know, but but Sarah Green and Mike Smith, who are the, the people on the... Well, Sarah Green's the, the woman on the ground, the blonde woman. She was basically a children's TV presenter. 
Like, there was no reason to think she'd be lying about this. Craig Charles, the kind of the cheeky chappy who comes in now and again, he <laughs> was from the TV show Red Dwarf, um, which was my favourite show at the time. Michael Parkinson, the guy in the studio, the kind of older guy in the studio, he, he was the most respected interviewer in the UK. The, this set of people was so authentic, using their real names. It's on the BBC as well. Don't forget, the BBC is like school, basically. Like It's there to educate you. It, it's not It's not there to trick you. So there I am, like with the utter belief that this is live and this is real. And what I, what I see for the next 30 minutes, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why it's only 30 minutes in a second, but for the next 30 minutes, I'm like... Oh my god, this is real. Something bad's gonna happen. I've seen something. I've seen something. Who do I tell? Do I run and tell my parents? I'm scared. I don't want to tell anyone. So, like, after about the 30 minute mark, when, when, when I was like, oh no, this is real. This is going off the rails. And like, I'm a, I'm a small kid. Like, I'm under 10. Like, oh, no. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And, um, so, after about 30 minutes, I started flicking through the channels to, to go to anything to calm me down. Cause I was too scared. Cause I was oh. just like, because they, they were starting to be calling some people saying, it's happening in my home too. The clocks oh, are stopping. God. And I, and I was looking at, looking at the clock. Oh my God, is the clock going to stop? And I'm like, and because they had phone-ins. So I'm like, oh no, this is the world's ending. What, 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 can I, what can I do? And do you know what? I was recording it at the time as well on, on video, but I pressed stop because I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to see anything more like, ever again. So for the rest of the show, I only went back to it like every... 10 minutes or something but then as soon as something scary happened I flicked over <laughs> I, I was too young so to to be brutally honest the, the first time I saw the entire thing in its entirety because I was so scared um, I had to buy um, the VHS off eBay and it was it was recorded off the oh. tip in the early days of eBay it was um, I had to buy it um, on a pre-recorded um, actually recorded off the television just with ghost watch written it in, in pen on it and it, it felt even more like a snuff tape than that's yeah. fucking incredible yeah. that's fucking cool but, yeah but obviously by that point I, like, I knew it was fake because the week after ghost watch came out there was the kind of the right to reply points to view type show that they had where they had to apologize to the country for tricking them but i tell you what on school on that monday i pretended i'd watch the whole thing <laughs> people were coming out with like did you see at the end when all the cameras were moving around and i was like yeah yeah oh my god that was great <laughs> I wasn't scared at all. It, it was it was great. They could have said anything, and I would have been like, "Yeah, right. it wasn't that cool." Yeah. The part uh -huh. where like Superman came in, the end. oh yeah, that was yeah. so wild. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, very much. But but like I don't think you can do that again. I think it's really 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 hard. And St uh, Stephen Volk, the the writer who I've become friendly with them um, in, in in the past few years. He came on to my podcast, Jed Talks, which I haven't done for about a year, but he came on one of the episodes, on the early episodes, and I interviewed him about Ghostwatch, obviously, and because I wanted to know the, the, the just the nuances and, and what was in his head when he, when he wrote it. He told me everything. But at the end of it, the, my last question to him was, do you think someone could do Ghostwatch now? Do you think, do you think someone could do a found footage film that will like blow up like Ghostwatch did? And he said to me, it would have to be a new set of people to do it. Why don't you do it? Um, why don't you make a found footage film, basically? That's what he said. He's written about this, in fact, and he, he he's written it a lot more um, flowery than, than I could explain it. But he basically 
said, and Jed took that as a challenge. <laughs> and, and then host came out. And it's true, they, without Ghostwatch, there would be no host. Like 100%. Oh, no. um, and if you see at the start of host, the um, Zoom ID is uh, 31101992, which is the day that Ghostwatch aired. That's the, that's oh, the Zoom ID at the start. Because we're just like, yeah, we, we love Ghostwatch, and we're going to put a bunch of Ghostwatch stuff in, in, in host. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that brings up one of the things that like really intrigued me about about watching this because I watched this last night for the very first time and I, I was thinking oh, back how what's that? <laughs> oh, to be you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Well, I did not actually know about this film until like 2017, 2018 when Shutter had it yeah. briefly on their mm-hmm. on their thing and I I didn't watch it then. I don't know why. I, I guess I thought it was going to be there forever and. Oh no! It's there for October, then disappears on November first. That's how it feels like, anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was, as I was watching this, I was like, man, this reminds me of like everyone freaking out when War of the Worlds came out. And was you mm-hmm. know, it was aired on on radio, and it also, I mean, yes, I don't think you could do this. I, I think it'd be very difficult to like stage something that people think is real. But honestly, I was thinking about the Blair Witch because before I went into the Blair Witch project, there was like that fake documentary that was on you know sci-fi, and I had in my head that this was real and that we were going to go into a movie theater and we're going to be seeing basically what, what amounts to a snuff film like that is what yeah. my anticipation and then it was spoiled like the day or two before i went to go see in the movie theater i realized oh this is all fake but like that anticipation of like seeing oh god this is actually real this is actually something that happened I, it's i feel like it's hard to, harder to do now because i can't think of any other time where something pulled it off to the degree of like war of the worlds or ghost watch or blair witch I think it's because was found footage films are, are so saturated in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, post Blair Witch, uh, we got ninety thousand terrible found footage movies, which um, I think hurt the genre subgenre so much because they even made horror film fans not like the genre for a little while as well because. Out of all of the the thousands of of found footage films, there there really was only a handful that kind of stood out above the rest um, in that time, like Paranormal Activity and and Wreck, um, and yeah, there was there were there was about ten years of of not great found footage movies, but yeah, like it's 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 difficult to to do something like that now because we're so savvy, the internet is exists, mm-hmm. um, but I think. Th- I think there is room for to, to trick the public again. You just need to, to find the right angle. Yeah. I think that like a lot of that stuff is happening in more online spaces too. I feel like it's it's not exactly the same because Ghostwatch obviously has these like super recognizable figures from mm-hmm. like obviously from like BBC meet like BBC history. But yeah. I feel like there's a lot of stuff happening on TikTok that I, mm-hmm. I always talk about this. And I think TikTok is like the coolest place for horror stuff, like one of the coolest places for horror stuff now. 100%. Because people are making like true i mean take whatever grain of salt whatever you want to think because some people are like do reveal they're making a movie or other people are like documenting like their everyday lives and there's a goat happens to be a ghost in it and i think it's not as big of a splash but i think it's more prevalent you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like i feel like there's more of a prevalence of these people experiencing supernatural stuff or thinking they are and then also thinking about like series like marble hornets that people thought Mm -hmm. were real was real for a bit too i love marble hornets so I think it might be on a, like I said, a smaller scale than like with the Blair Witch, but I think it's just more common and we're almost becoming like accustomed to it in an interesting way. You're 100% right um, about the the TikTok thing. TikTok is where all of the kind of found footage 
seeds are being planted. Um, I get sent so many videos of just random TikTokers with uh, seeing spooky things in their in their house. And do you know what? The production value now, because everyone's got great phones, <laughs> is on par with with any other. Fa- I mean, we we shot host and dashcam on iPhones, so it's you, everyone's using the same cameras. And TikTok is an absolute treasure trove of found footage, <laughs> like short form found footage. Like it's ridiculous how good it's it is the as well. Fucking best thing. I'm seeing yeah. like, look, I've been preaching this for months because I'm mm. like, y'all, this is where found footage is going, and yeah. it's fascinating because again, a lot of times people don't say it's fake. You think it's real. They're really keeping up that illusion of truth. I'm getting like my arm in the air because I'm getting really <laughs> no, excited. It, it's true. It's true. <laughs> We're getting off topic of Ghostwatch. We can get back on. I know. I'm sorry. You're getting me talking about found footage with another found footage person. I'm just like, <laughs> let's talk about everything. Oh, we need to start a found footage podcast, Mary Beth. That's what we need to do. <laughs> <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time anyway no the, the thing the thing about tiktok and and it's it's i was thinking about this uh re- just like a few days ago because i mean i you know i'm gay i'm on tiktok i'm seeing a bunch of like hunky men stripping right <laughs> and doing all this kind of stuff and yet the twitter the the twitter the tiktok algorithm seemed to like pick up on things and so i'll be yeah. watching like sexy 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 something funny some dance move that's been repeated like a million times and then all of a sudden there's like this random weird ass video like i shared with mary beth the uh, the cheerios man there's a guy that that like oh, yeah. has a Cheerios box on his head mm-hmm. and there's like feeding people Cheerios and that thing pops up and it's like, what, 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 what just, what just happened? I was watching a man like do the sexy dance and now I'm like seeing someone being force fed. Che- what, what is happening? It yeah. reminded me a little bit of being back in like VHS where you're like watching something and it's like really par- poorly recorded or things have been recorded over each other. And you're just watching something and all of a sudden there'll be like a random scene that has nothing to do with the movie in it. And that's kind of how I feel <laughs> scrolling through TikTok right now. Oh yeah. Like I, I watched a, a TikTok video the other day. It only had got about 300 likes or something. So it wasn't like viral or anything, but it's just this woman walking through her house and she kept, there was a noise outside and she pointed her phone outside to where the noise was. And in the reflection of the window, you could see her, her like door behind her. And you just see this figure walk past it. And it was Ooh. so well done. I'm oh, just like, it was so oh, well I done. I think I saw that. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like this, this is straight out of like a, like a James Wan film. Like, like she, it's great. It, it, it was really, really good. I'm like, oh wow. Okay. So, so people out there are basically filmmakers. Like they, they are doing things that that could potentially just spawn off into film. So I'm sure there are a lot of producers out there scrawling through TikTok looking for the for the next film. And the the one problem that uh, people doing that will have is if, like we did with Zoom, we asked permission to use Zoom. TikTok are very very unlikely mm-hmm. to let you use TikTok their logo. Yeah. So, so you can't do it. My friend Josh Stolberg is is making a, a horror film based on a TikTok style app called Triller that's out there. It's like a TikTok alternative mm. and it's about that. And uh, I can't wait for that, by the way. It's, it's going to be great. It's like Saw in a in like a like a influencer house. Oh, it's wow. going to be great. And, <laughs> and but like, honestly, like if, if someone manages to convince TikTok to let them use TikTok, the most popular app in the world for a found footage film, it is going to be massive. It's going to be massive, but uh, apparently they are just very, very strongly against uh, letting it be used. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm sure a lot of money will help. 
<laughs> Sometimes that makes me happy, though, just because it means less people will be trying to do that on the yeah. app. You know what? I, again, it's like always like the blessing and a curse with that yeah. kind of stuff. But yeah. but then like I want to go back to Ghostwatch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think Ghostwatch to me is. I think, look, obviously the Blair Witch Project is incredibly iconic, but I mm-hmm. really feel like Ghostwatch needs so much more credit than yes. it gets for, like, yeah. starting a genre. It's not shaky cam, but it's pseudo-documentary yep. its style in terms mm-hmm. of playing with truth that we consider part of found footage, because, again, there's, like, a whole subgenre of fake yep. and, like, faking us out. And I wrote an article in Grip Magazine a couple years ago that paranormal activity only exists because of Ghostwatch. 100%. And I will stand by that forever because Ghostwatch is, I believe, if not the first, one of the first movie, like found footage horror movies mm-hmm. slash like the first horror movie to really utilize this idea of the static camera because yes. we see them walking through the house mm-hmm. and setting up the cameras in different parts of the house to make sure they see all the activity. And mm-hmm. we haven't really seen that before. And they even the use first. night vision. Yeah. Is they don't use night vision and they cut between all the different scenes and mm-hmm. you're supposed to just look. And that's exactly what made paranormal activity so terrifying. Yeah. And Ghostwatch introduced this. And I think that Ghostwatch is such an influential film on what we think of as found footage and I just need more people to know about it and to see it because it's incredible like I think it's like a foundational contemporary horror movie 100% and and I believe Oren Pelly now and all the guys that were involved in in Paranormal Activity they straight up say Ghostwatch was the thing that influenced them now they've said that in, in interviews and I did something a couple of weeks ago uh, it's not been announced yet, but something involving Ghostwatch. Um, and um, I found out doing that thing that uh, Paranormal Activity, like the, the the guys there, like directly now say that they are directly influenced by, by Ghostwatch. And how can you not be? Because it did it way better. It tricked millions and millions and millions of people. And that is not to say that Paranormal Activity like ripped it off or anything. I, because I love Paranormal Activity. <laughs> I'm writing a... I'm writing a book about it. Are you really? Like, wow, nice. Yeah. We did a commentary on it for the Second Sight film release amazing, of it, too. Amazing, Yeah. So, like, love paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. But yeah. again, it's just, like, paying respects to the horror stuff that yeah. comes before it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot that I think pulls from this movie. Because I, I was... It's, it's, it's wild watching this in 2022 and seeing, like, things that would pop up in horror movies over time. Like, I was... I was I'm, fairly convinced that James Wan pulled the, the moment from Insidious where there's someone in like the curtains from this movie. Cause there's a couple times mm-hmm. where there's someone either blending into the curtains or is like kind of hiding next to the curtains that I'm like, this, it feels very insidious to me. Yeah. The, the whole, like uh, I love the moment with infrared. I was not expecting the movie to pull out some technology and go infrared. Yeah. And, and again, I was thinking about the moment in wreck where they're, you know, the climax of wreck where it's, mm-hmm. you know, in um, the, the, uh, night vision goggles and they're filming things and you you don't really see everything like i was just pulling all this this stuff in here that i was like man a lot of movies for a movie that i don't think a lot of people had had seen or is like on the the massive mainstream cultural dashboard outside of maybe the uk i i don't it's it has such a powerful foundational text for a lot of stuff and it it surprised the heck out of me you're 100 percent right it really does and i think yeah mary beth you're completely right some of the specific kind of logistics of static cameras this was the first place 100 that that kind of did that i think i think it's incredible i think the reason why it didn't cross over into the mainstream conversation is because 
art, it was only ever shown once in the UK, mm-hmm. and that was on the mm-hmm. Halloween night too. It was there. Were, it was basically banned up until I think the two thousands in the UK, um, and that was when the BFI did their first release. I think it was two thousand and two or something. Um, mm-hmm. And prior to that, it was just you could only get um, uh, copied off the TV VHS on on eBay, um, and uh, so and that's why it didn't didn't spread. But and and Americans just never never knew about it. And I, I, but it, it was such a shame. But that's that's why I'm so glad that Shudder like have mm-hmm. well around Halloween they usually have the rights to show it because um, more people need to see it. Actually, I mean it's on the Internet Archive, I guess. It is. Yeah, um, that's how I. That's yeah. unfortunately how I got yeah. to see it because it's not available anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, you can't find it. Yeah, I can understand why the the, the band nature of it because I I was doing some some like research and like the public outcry to it was pretty immediate. Uh, yeah. I I saw that I was reading this article on BBC from 2017 where they're talking about Ghost Watch, the BBC spoof that duped a nation, and they talk about I, I'm sure you're familiar with this that Martin Denham who committed suicide five days after mm-hmm. uh, it aired, yeah. and the family was blaming it on on ghost watch because of his, his suicide note was, was basically saying that, you know, I, I don't know if ghosts exist, but if they are, I'll be with you yeah. as one forever. So there's like, Jesus. so that happened five days after. And there was a lot of articles that came out <laughs> basically like shaking their, their, their finger at their hand at, at, uh, at the BBC. And I was, I was looking at it where 20,000 people tried to get through to Parkinson at one time. Volkis said that three women who were pregnant went into labor that night, a vicar phoned in to complain that even though this is a quote, even though he realized it wasn't real, he thought the BBC had raised demonic forces. Mm-hmm. National <laughs> and, seance. That's what it was. It was, yeah. it was a national seance. Yeah. Thousands of complaints. Uh, some of the headlines, viewers blast BBC sick ghost hoax. The TV program killed our dear son. Like this is the the kind of outcry afterwards. So I can I can understand why they, they backed off on it a little bit, although it, it's kind of sad that there, there's a thing that literally no one has ever mentioned in, 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 in any article. But like I'm fully aware of the phone number in Ghostwatch that you had to call was the phone number from a children's TV show. For, that's on Saturday mornings. So kids oh. knew that number really, 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 really well. It's 0818118181. And so when you see that on screen, you just associate... And, and don't forget, like I said, Sarah Green was a children's TV right. star. And you, so you have all of these connotations that of this being safe. This is safe. So calling that number, it, you got um, some kind of recorded response that the lines that the lines are busy. But it, obviously, it was just it's fake. But yeah, and, and I, I use a lot of these in ghosts as it's well. I use a lot so... of this stuff in ghosts. Oh, it's just so genius, though, because again, like you're playing with what people know. Like you're, yeah. they really went for the bit. Cool. Which well, is... we also have like people, people calling in at the time, so it makes it gives that illusion of like, yeah, people are calling in. You might yeah. just keep calling. You know, it's it's, it's so genius. genius. It's so mind meltingly brilliant. But it, it is like it's definitely like. It's again a meta found footage moment because people are calling in and like, hey, I saw that in the curtain. You didn't see it. So it's like, again, with found footage, when you're staring at something and you see something that maybe someone doesn't and the people didn't catch it. So someone else called in and it's yeah. like this communal found footage horror moment. That's so cool. And they just curated this entire experience. Like it's an experience. It, it's not like an experience for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, th- yeah. I'm so cool. It is so cool that you actually like, watched it when it was broadcasting. Well, and like it. people came to school <laughs> and they were it. like, did you see it? Yeah. And you're like, I mean, obviously you didn't watch the whole thing, but still like, it's just like a, such a cool cultural zeitgeist moment to be a part of and like realize it's like this wild fabricated cool thing 
it, 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 it was great just to be alive with something because like you always hear about the um the war of the worlds yeah awesome world things and you just think oh, how can people be that stupid that they fell for it but we all fell for it we all fit in the uk we fell for ghost watch so well i keep thinking about how like you know if you know if this is the United States and back at the time and Dan Rather and Peter Jennings and Diane Sawyer and, you know, that kind of people were, were mm-hmm. doing something like this, yeah. we'd, we'd believe it. We'd be like, what the fuck is happening right now? And I think that's that's another brilliant move on it is to have, as you had mentioned earlier, have the actual presenters be themselves and playing it completely straight. And they're having mm-hmm. fun. I think that yeah. also like kind of deceptively like surprises you is that everyone's kind of taking it as a laugh like i love craig he's running around he's making jokes there's someone jumping out trying to scare people craig is like interviewing like people running (laughs) down the street seeing like trick-or-treaters i just i love the vibe it's just it it just uh, disarms you and then just like oh shit (laughs) Uh, i i love Craig's character because I mean that is Craig Charles in, in, in real life as is well he, he is like that and yeah and, and all of these things that we're talking about I, I use elements of it in Ghosts and like I, I think I I think I said to to Leslie Manning the director of, of Ghosts uh, of um, Ghostwatch and also don't forget it's, it's, a, it's a female director that directed one of the most hell formative yes. found footage things hell of all time literally yes. literally my hell article yes. for Grip Magazine was the paranormal activity has a woman to thank. It yes. was like very much framed as like a woman is like a at the forefront of the found footage movement, and, and she, she is, is my queen. She and really she's is. so cool. She followed me on Instagram, and I almost oh, cried. Yeah. Oh my I was God. just like. Hi, you're my she, hero. She's a genius. Like I, I got to hang out with her like recently, and I kept on saying to her, "You don't understand. You don't. You, you don't understand how important Ghostwatch is to me." And I, and I, and I kept on saying, that "You're my hero, Leslie. You are my hero." And she's just she's so humble, and she I, I don't think she realizes how it's affecting the entire world because of her direction, which is absolutely incredible, by the way. Yeah. Oh, the direction is fantastic direction. in this. The movie is paced to perfection, first of all. Mm. Like, it is just constantly moving. And the moment, you, it doesn't let you, like, sit still. It's like we're, we're in the, the studio, we're out there, we're listening to phone calls, we're watching footage in a found footage-esque movie of that, uh, you know, Pascal, that the doctor is took in, in Germany on a previous case, and then we're flipping into the house. And it's just, it's constantly moving. It's constantly, like, not allowing you to be comfortable at all mm-hmm. and it's just it's written perfectly and it's directed so damn well was remind me was this filmed live or was it pre-recorded and they played it like it was live it or was they pre-recorded it was- and played like cool. it was live yeah yeah cool okay um i i, I would be so impressed if it was done live but like, it'd, it'd, it'd be <laughs> impossible be a, it would be absolutely insane but i i i don't i i wasn't doubting them and to try and do that oh, no. so that's why i wasn't yeah. sure it, it looks like it looks like it was shot live. It's just, it, but they really it, do like they really capture what a live broadcast is and yeah. what it looks like and the editing between everything and yes. the aesthetics of that. That it mm-hmm. it doesn't feel amiss at all. Exactly, like it has all that stuff. Oh, and one of the the kind of important things again, a lot of people miss about Ghostwatch is it's pulled from the same source material as Conjuring Two, um, the Enfield yeah. Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, 
which the NFL Poltergeist was is one of the most famous poltergeist like stories. There are inspired numerous films. It's kind of it, like the England's Amityville horror, kind of like yeah, right? it, really, it really is. It was yeah, yeah. and like like and it was kind of a, a, when the that original sto- story happened in, in the seventies with the two girls that lived in the house. That was all over the newspapers, and and it continued on for years about this this haunted house. So yeah, so this is kind of like a version of the Enfield poltergeist, but I think just a lot more nuanced. And mm-hmm. um, and if I compare Ghostwatch to Conjuring Two, I really really like Conjuring Two, but it's very Hollywood. <laughs> it it doesn't have the kind of British kind of grit and that you kind of have with with this, which makes it feel a little bit even even more authentic. I, I think because people think we tell tend to tell the truth and where we are and it's the, it's the wrong view of the UK because we have not as prim and proper as, as people like to make out definitely not but um, there is an air of believability to when you hear an English accent sometimes yeah and so, so you so and that added to the authenticity as well but I'll tell you I was I was ready to uh, to believe um, the, the Michael Parkinson is that that's yeah. the same I was really I was like hook line and sinker I'm like okay what what's going on next what's happening right now like I was watching 2022 knowing everything about it going like yeah okay so what, what's next what's happening what's going on like it just well yeah so Terry this is your first time watching it so it sounds like you had a great time but I want to hear directly like what it was like to watch this and like your experience with it well you know it reminds me of like the perfect Halloween movie because even without the like truthfulness if you if you just take it as as what it is and it was a movie it just the atmosphere kind of it cultivates like it reminded me of sitting around a campfire swapping ghost stories with a bunch of people from like pascal's investigation in germany and kind of talking about that her experience with ghosts and then sarah is telling the story about staying at a friend's house that a a viceroy of india had you know once lived in and had concubines that died or like even the callers calling in and, and sharing the story and then there's the main story happening it just it feels like a bunch of people sitting around swapping ghost stories and celebrating halloween and it hits a lot of like the, the Halloween tropes of like, you know, kids running around in Halloween costumes, the bobbing for ap- apples, the, it just, it was fun. And mm-hmm. there's pranks, there's trick or treat pranks, like the guy yeah. jumping out of the, the uh, pantry in the kitchen. Like it just, it gave me that kind of like, this is a movie I could watch in Halloween every year. And I just would just really fucking enjoy yeah. It's fun and scary. Like, it leads into that fun aspect. Like, it's oh. going to be a silly, cool, fun, like, Halloween broadcast. Hee hee. And then it just goes to hell really quickly. There's that one moment where the camera is is panning and I think the I think it was the girl's bathroom or bedroom and there's something uh, leaning up against the 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 drapes or something and the camera passes and then like quickly does a double take and it's gone. And yeah. I gasped with them. I was like, "Ooh." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That, that's that we that's what we took um and we put into host the the bit in the the attic where the camera sweeps past and you see the feet dangling and then I, they say go back go back go back and it goes back and then the feet are gone. That's that's directly taken from Ghost I have Switch. to say that I had the immense pleasure of talking to Rob about that and being like yeah. Rob there's that moment I love that and he's like you know a lot of people don't mention that and I was like that was the moment for me that like <laughs> got me I was like why are their feet there like that's the oh, that man. was the moment that got me yeah me and Rob talk about Ghostwatch all the time it's like it's, everything basically comes back to Ghostwatch like at all times <laughs> but let's talk about how terrifying in oh. general pipes is pipes? oh my god Ooh, like 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 we mentioned before, like it's really hard to beat Freddy as an antagonist, but with pipes, you have 
something that is bloody terrifying because one he is he appears to the kids and he's in the kids room you have this old man with a messed up face in your child's bedroom and you can you have cameras in there it doesn't matter he'll still come and get the kids and i think one of the genius things that Stephen Volk put into the script is the fake out with pipes um is like he's called pipes because you you you, you hear you hear these pipes banging in the house, but then at one point you see one of the the kids banging on the pipe itself, and you see Mike, Michael Parkinson go, "Oh, well, um, we're sorry, viewers, that this is just um, all along this was the hoax. We're really sorry about that." But then pipe strikes, and you see you see the, the the other girl's face all cut up and stuff, and and just the flashes you see of pipes is so so terrifying, and it does the beautiful thing that like that horror does which it doesn't give it away it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't show you everything so in your mind you form this image of pipes and, and like he, he it's terrifying the fact he doesn't speak as well well technically doesn't speak is is terrifying as well and um on multiple watches when you're looking in the background to see where pipes is uh, that's scary as well because you don't know where where he is oh yeah it's it's, it's just incredible so Mary Beth, when did you first see this? I saw this when it first came to Shutter okay. in 2018 because I was living in Chicago at the time and watching a lot of movies by myself because I was studying horror movies and also I just didn't want to go out and leave my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I'd heard of Ghost. I had heard of Ghost Watch and like heard all about the story behind it. So I was like, well, I have to watch this, and it's directed by a woman, and fe- like woman directed horror is like my go-to. Mm-hmm. I watched it knowing all the context in the dark and it still creeped me out. Wow. Like it really creeped me out. Like even knowing it was all fake, I think they still do a really good job in creating the scares. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you need to know that again, you don't need to know that context to really mm-hmm. be like, Holy shit. Like that is fucking terrifying. Like this mm-hmm. creature is all, like, I cannot imagine seeing that live and <laughs> thinking it was real. I would have like, I would have, I would have just evaporated into the air. <laughs> to be. Like, like cease to be like the fact that oh it's it's crazy because it is it is scary and i it's a it's a rare kind of feeling to watch something like that and be so creeped out like you know because we have a hard like you know jed and terry we have mm-hmm. a hard time being scared by things so yeah. being able to be creeped out by something from 92 that mm-hmm. had this crazy story was really cool and i think it's also what kind of got me I've always liked found footage, but this got me kind of even more excited about found footage and thinking about like pseudo documentaries and like playing with that. Mm -hmm. So this is just like a really important movie in my heart because of that. And it takes a shutter for putting it on the streaming service. I mean, good God, like, thank God. Yeah. I think it should be on there all the time on shutter. And, and and just, uh, just about the way that, that Leslie and, and Stephen Volk, introduces Piper and and the the law around pipes mm-hmm. um, is so interesting with with the phone calls giving giving yeah. giving um, exposition and just drip feeding the information out there and I think the thing that really started my heart beating when I first watched it was when you first see the ch- children's drawing of of pipes yeah. and it's all messed up and you don't get uh-huh. to see it for very long you just like, no nope. like, what was that he looked all messed up. Um, and then when you finally hear like who he is and about how the cats ate his face and and you hear all the cats outside as well, it's just uh, it's, dark it's as fuck. Almost, like I wouldn't be surprised if if you told me Stephen Volk and Leslie Manning were time travelers because it's filled with so many incredible set pieces and contemporary horror um, scares, but just done 
30 plus years before everyone else did it. Like, it's unbelievable. It's actually unbelievable. It's like the blueprint. But exactly, but like, especially because like, I think about the Haunted House movie is always like this big gothic mansion and there's mm-hmm. like lots of places, but this is just like a house. Yeah. This is like a small, like a small house with a mm-hmm. single working mom and two kids. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's small and that's it. And I think not a lot of movies had played with that yet. And not a lot of people, like a lot of them do deal with like a normal haunted family home, not like a ginormous one. And this kind of invasion of the small, the small home and like no, no family is safe was just, and the way they use the space. Again, I always am so impressed in found footage movies like this, where you can use the space really effectively Mm -hmm. and make a small space that you're seeing over and over again, feel, um, endless and and claustrophobic both like and like it feels like it could be bigger than it is and also mm-hmm. incredibly claustrophobic at the same time oh oh yeah and uh, i think it's just because you have the illusion of safety because mm-hmm. it's the again the bbc you have these these likable known characters and when that's taken away when you re- when you realize that they're not in control of it like it you just get so scared well i just got so scared when i was a kid because like you expect the BBC to have a level of control to, to, right. to kind of protect the the country almost that that's that's how much the BBC is revered here, and for them to to go to like just do a heel turn and just trick us like that, that is I don't know if I could ever trust them again. Well, what surprised me also on this on watching it was how epic it actually is because it yeah. is contained to the house, but then it's not, and it's like the whole yeah. country is going to be destroyed by this ghost, and I was like, mm-hmm. wow, how giant scale for a movie that seems like it's just going to be a very small ghost story in this very small house and it, it goes yeah. to epic proportions and that like i was not expecting that at all mm-hmm. and it, i love that jed do you know the, what the budget was for this movie since you've talked to them all well it was um again i don't think it was big i don't know the exact budget but don't forget this was made for tv it wasn't wasn't made right. for yeah. like, anything else I, I don't I don't know but I don't think it was that much okay, yeah it couldn't have been I was yeah. curious because like it is it's like a broadcast if it's filmed like a broadcast you're yeah. not going to put a bunch of money behind it no. I just it's again low budget this kind of stuff is always so impressive like what yeah. they're able to create with such limited resources yeah it's just neat it's just neat I, I, and I don't and this it, it pains me because I don't know why Stephen Volk and Leslie Manning aren't out there making massive horror movies right now like, why aren't they? Like, what do they need to do? They've made one of the most incredible found footage films of all time before everyone else did. And they're, they're out there. They're, they, they have other ideas. They, they have other horror films they want to do. Someone just needs to give them the money and just let them do it. Like, it pains Please. me. Yeah. <laughs> According yeah. to a couple sites, it, the budget was 900,000 uh, pounds. Okay. Wow, that's higher than I would have expected. Yeah, yeah it is actually. That's higher than I expected. I mean, I that's don't. About I, two and a half mil now. That's that's approximately about two and a half mil now. I'd say. And I don't know how like accurate it. I mean, I'm just seeing it on like websites, New Statesman and Expose. Yeah. So I, I who knows? It's the internet. Don't trust everything. But like, well, it worked. It's worth every <laughs> worth, worth every worth penny. Every penny. Worth, worth every <laughs> penny. Holy shit! So watching this now. Do you, as someone that was so terrified as a kid that that stopped it after thirty minutes, does it still scare you to this day? I would say yeah, it does. Like like I said, found footage has a way of just wheezing itself into my mind and and, and not letting go. 
And I still trust Michael Parkinson. I, I still I love <laughs> He's Sarah very Green. Trustworthy. Yeah, I do. Like I, I made a bunch of enamel pin badges of of uh, Sarah Green with her Ghostwatch T-shirt Aww. like a few years back. Love and that. I sent a whole bunch to Stephen. I've, I've actually still got a whole bunch. Mary Beth, I'll, like I'll, I'll get one out to you. I'll get one out <laughs> to you. Don't worry. I've still got a whole bunch. But like, I'll pay for shipping. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but there's, there's so much to still love about it, and I, and I think. If you want to learn how to make a found footage film, there are a, a bunch of films you can go to. It's it's Blair Witch Project, Paranormal Activity, but it's also Ghostwatch. Like you have to go to Ghostwatch before Ghostwatch. A couple of years before Ghostwatch, there was the McPherson tape, right. the kind of mm-hmm. alien invasion thing. Uh, but that was yeah. extremely crude, um, handheld, and that has maybe a little bit more in line with Blair Witch Project than it does to to. To um, Ghostwatch, but yeah, I would say I still I still get scared, but but mostly inspired mm-hmm. by what they did at that time with very few references. I know that Stephen Volk's very inspired by Nigel Neal, and and so am I. Uh, Nigel Neal is the the, the writer of um, um, many things, but the Stone Tape, which was another uh, British TV movie that's in- absolutely incredible. Um, he also did the the Quatermass series, and mm. he did this um, this series um, on ITV. Our channel three here in the UK called Beasts. Um, I don't know if you've seen Beasts, guys, but it's, it's um, six. I think it's six. Maybe it's eight hour long horror shows that were shown on Prime TV in 1976. Oh my god, it is incredible. Yeah. Okay. And cool. people aren't talking about it. It's kind of like folk horror type thing, but it's about very real people in in the UK in the 70s coming up against supernatural stuff. And that's Nigel Neal, and I think. That um, and because I know Stephen Volk is very inspired by Nigel Neal, I think uh, you can see a lot of Nigel Neal in in Ghostwatch. So if you're a fan of Ghostwatch, go back and watch Nigel Neal stuff. He, he's one of the best to ever do it. To be honest, Nigel Neal to um, write horror, and yeah, oh. it's uh, it's it's one of the the best things I've ever seen. Ghostwatch, and I will continue to fly the flag for it. And it, you'll notice as soon as Host came out and we started doing interviews. Me and Rob just never stopped talking about Ghostwatch. Like just mm-hmm. constantly, it was Ghostwatch and Lake Mungo, and oh, Lake Mungo. Yeah, they saw the two, and then luckily, very shortly after uh, Second Sight released uh, the um, the amazing kind of uh, Lake Mungo um, Blu-ray, which was I incredible. was in it. Oh, it's so good. I wrote, it's I wrote so an good. essay for the booklet oh, for that because I'm obsessed with Lake Mungo. It, it's, it's amazing. And, they put, and again, oh, they, what they put out is so good. The way they, they like, do their releases. Second Sight, oh my God, they are smashing it. I have a legion just to Arrow. I do like Arrow a lot. I do love Arrow too. Se- but Second Sight is also, like the, the host release, oh my God, that is a work of art. Like the, just the, the oh my God, Second Sight's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Do we want to wrap this up and give it our rating out of five? Sounds okay. good. Cool. <laughs> Terry, how many glory holes out of five do you give Ghostwatch? All the glory holes. I, you know, I when I added this in Letterbox, I gave it a four. But honestly, this is a five. This is a. I think this is a perfect movie. And talking about it like really cemented my love of it. I love, like I said, I love that it's, it feels like a, a perfect Halloween movie. I, I honestly can't can't think of not watching this like on Halloween from now on because it just I think evokes that season so well of a trick or treat the whole movie is basically like a giant trick and I love that and it has it has such a communal sense of of telling ghost stories and it's incredibly well done I was like 
amazed at how quickly it went. I was expecting it to be a little bit stodgier, a little bit slower paced, but it just moves, moves, moves. And it genuinely got me to gasp. Um, it got me to titter off of like the constant talk of glory holes. Like I just, <laughs> I think this movie is great. I think it's fantastic. And I am now a devotee of it. So what about you, Mary Beth? You're, you're a one, right? Oh uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> obviously five. I, I just want to say again, Terry, I'm so glad that I, we are making you watch more found footage. Jen, yes. Terry was not a found footage person. No. And then I started talking about it all the time. And now he's watched a lot more found I've seen footage. So many. And, Amazing. And Amazing. he likes, he enjoys most of the ones I've recommended. And now he likes Ghost Watch. So hey. honestly, it's all I could hope for. I've, conver- I've converted one person. So it makes me very happy. But this movie is so incredibly important to me and important to the genre. Mm-hmm. I think it is expertly crafted. I think it was so ahead of its time in thinking in terms of what it means to make a horror movie and what you're supposed to do in a horror movie. I think it really puts on display how found footage can feel so honest, but that how easily like you can be manipulated into believing like a certain kind of format. And I just think that is so incredible and just like mind blowing. So yeah, five, five glory holes for me. And then Jed, the final word. How many glory holes do you give Ghostwatch? I give it five ectoplasmic glory holes covered in slime. Um, and it is the... Like mm. I said, it's, it's one of the foundation texts for, for found footage films. Without it, we wouldn't have power activity. It did Blair Witch ten years before Blair Witch, seven years before Blair Witch. It is incredible. Everyone involved with it is incredible. It is the blueprint for everything that I do, pretty much. So if I didn't give it five, then I would be lying. I would love to see someone else do something like this, but I think it's almost impossible because um, what it did, was it just it's broke the mold. And um, yeah, I just implore people to go seek it out and watch it. And hopefully it'll be on Netflix one day, just so it's an easy to watch uh, thing that the whole world can see, because it's it's really, really important. And Leslie Manning and Stephen Falk need to get their flowers. We we need yes. to... They every Halloween, need it! Yeah, we, we, need to be, we need to be praying and celebrating Leslie Manning and Stephen Falk. They do not get the praise that they thoroughly deserve. And yes. um, yeah... <clears throat> They're incredible. Well, thank you so much, Jed, for joining us to talk about Ghost Watch and having me finally watch this because I just, <laughs> oh, it was so good. Where can our listeners find you and what do you have coming up that you can share? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm just the same and everything at Jed Shepard, J E D S H E P H E R D. And Dash Cam's coming out, uh, our Blumhouse movie on June the 3rd in cinemas pretty much everywhere then uh scare package 2 is coming out at some point this year i don't know i don't know when uh but i can't wait for you to see what i've done i I think people will be very surprised yeah i can't wait wait till you see what my one's about Um, (laughs) people will just be like what's he doing now (laughs) and then i'm trying to think what we've we've announced um so I think that's all I can say that's been announced. Um, there'll be a few more announcements in the next couple of months, I think. Some pretty big ones. Um, and hopefully I get to do Blair Witch Projects. I would love to. <laughs> Manifesting it. Manifesting your it. Book, your comic book is out now. Is it? Uh, it's, yeah. 
It's, it's basically a visual novel, I think they're okay. calling it. All right. um, but yeah, that's out now. You can find it on Amazon. It's called Flickr. And and yeah, and it, it, please let me know if, if, you've, if you like it and can't wait to write more. So listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with Ghostwatch? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. <laughs> and I'm at Kaylee Dreadful. And of course, make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred <laughs> Fucking shit, I know. That's a long train. <laughs> I know. And, and please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Geller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>